Greetings. You're listening to the Living Your Best Life in Africa podcast, and this is episode 62. Greetings everyone. I pray all is well with you and you are managing to hold your emotions intact. As yet again, I've had to change up my scheduling to deal with world events. This week, we find ourselves in the grip of a state lynching and murder of George Floyd and the international outpourings to that barbaric act. It started after I made myself watch the video of yet another African being tortured and murdered in broad daylight. Because I, like every other African person who watches video after video after video, I thought it was just another video of an African being humiliated in public by a police officer. And it mattered not that that humiliation was taking place in America the UK or a different Western country because the treatment is taken from the same racist handbook. So I watched the video because I wanted to see if there would be a call to action after the video. I wanted to know whether there would be something we would be asked to do. That's what I was waiting for. I sign tons of petitions every year and donate to GoFundMe causes. And I thought there would be this type of call to action at the end of the video to support George Floyd to fight for his right to seek justice against the police officer who had humiliated him in that way in broad daylight on a public street in Minnesota. So you can imagine my shock and horror when I watched what became one of the most harrowing and traumatising scenes I have ever witnessed, just days after the hunting down and public lynching of Ahmed Aubrey by the two racist white Americans who felt it was their public duty and their civil right to murder our brother in the name of rights for whites. And then, following the state murder of Breonna Taylor, who was used literally for target practice by police officers, who, as usual, exercised their right to shoot to kill Africans first before asking questions, knowing that their white state and their white countries provide adequate time for stories to be put together later to justify those murders. And also knowing that we haven't forgotten the state murders that take place in the UK. The murders of Smiley Culture, Christopher Alder, Darren Cumberbatch, Kingsley Burrell, and most recently, Simeon Francis, whose death in police custody went quietly unnoticed on the 20th of May 2020, except by his family. Simeon was arrested and, as usual, was later found unresponsive in a police cell with no one knowing what happened to him. 
Indeed, in the UK and other Western countries, we have a well-established African disease that continues to kill our people with no known hereditary cause amongst Africans and no known cure. And that disease is called African death by police or African death by cop. But there was just something different about this murder, about the arrogance and daylight lynching of George Floyd, wasn't there? Watching this white police officer's delight at having an audience watching his power to slowly squeeze the life out of this less than human being below his knee whilst he had his hand in his pocket as if he was stopping a piece of cardboard from blowing up in his face. There was also something quite sinister about watching the non-white police officers watching their gratitude for their less than honorary white status, watching them in particular and watching the fear in Officer Tao in particular, when all he and these other officers had the power to do was to stand there knowing that something serious was happening and knowing that something serious was going wrong because the public were telling them that this was the case but also knowing that their gratitude at having their less than honorary white status as police officers did not privilege them enough to interrupt the white god with the power to kill that black man. So they just stood there protecting the space for the white god officer to kill that black man. They just stood there and let him be murdered. They let him be lynched. Imagine my shock and horror at watching this as I imagined yours. Black trauma at watching these kinds of events doesn't even consider what it does to us to see black men and black women die like this. Watching public lynchings of African people, whether in America or the UK or any other Western country, you can literally be physically lynched for any reason that a white person decides. And what we don't always realise is that lynchings in this way are designed to invoke black terror inside of us as a way of making sure we see that there will be little, if any, repercussions for that lynching. And thus making sure we understand that it could be us next. And that terror is designed to keep us in line and to get us to know our place and to return us back to a time when we could not look white people in the eyes without being afraid of death. In the UK, that form of lynching has taken on a further twist in that if you are an African who challenges the status quo on racism, white privilege and global white supremacy, you can be lynched by the media and having your character and your livelihood totally destroyed by any white person who decides to step into the frame and use the institutions that give their whiteness life to destroy you. And this is done without you having the right of reply. 
The same thing can happen if you challenge racism at work, because what white people are enabled to do is to weaponize their whiteness against us. It's important that we understand that we are being weaned on uncensored aggression as a form of behavior management and as a form of entertainment. And yet we know that if these murders were not filmed, we would still have the same numbers of African people dying. But no one would be taking any notice of this because there would be no evidence to challenge the obvious lie that would follow about how black men and black women are being murdered by the state. And what would also follow by those who control the white power structures would be a rush to portray their business-as-usual attitude by justifying and almost legitimising their right to kill us because we're, in quotes, bad people, but not really showing the real benefit to those who sit atop of this structure. What do I mean by that? Well, one example of this, and one particularly gruesome example that surrounded the death of George Floyd, was a picture that Fox News put up for its viewers on the 5th of June 2020. Now, in my eyes, all news outlets are racist. They're all racist. It's just that some are less obvious in their racism than others. But Fox News in particular makes no secret of its hatred of African people. So on the 5th of June 2020, they put up a picture which showed how the brutal deaths of black men positively impacted their stock market. I mean, can you even imagine this? I'm going to post a copy of that picture on my Facebook page so you can see the image for yourself. The image showed Michael Brown's murder and the acquittal of police officers for the near killing of Rodney King accounted for a 1.2% surge in their stock markets. That means that their businesses grew in value by 1.2% whilst Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination helped their stock market to surge by 2.9%. But the worst of all is the 3.4% surge in the markets following the murder of George Floyd, an act which served to add billions of dollars to the value of the top companies in America. And this begs the question of whether there are other reasons for killing our people with impunity. Whether there are structures that encourage the murder first question later of our people for benefits which those on the streets engaged in that murder don't even care about or realise. But that is a matter that I can't answer in today's podcast. So instead, I ask the question, what is the change that this shock and awe reflection of lynchings and murders of African people on our social media feeds, what is the change it pushes you towards? What change does it provoke in you? 
What change do you want to be? If you're a regular listener to this podcast, you will have heard me talk about not just getting mad, but also investing your energies in getting even. And seeing what is coming across our screens and social media feeds makes me feel that at no time since the start of this podcast has this statement had more meaning. It almost feels like we are walking in the shoes of our ancestors who were tortured and murdered with impunity in modern day lynchings that everyone could watch for entertainment. Today, everyone kills us with impunity and without regard to who is looking because we live in Western countries where our lives matter not one jot except to continue to perpetuate the reasons why Western countries think our lives should matter to them, which is to sell our labour at the lowest cost to them so they can make the highest profits from the things we produce and serve. And whilst we're doing this, our deaths are paraded on social media for the world's entertainment and justification for our lynching and murder is plotted as white people scramble to dig up dirt about us to prevent people from mourning our loss whilst they support the memorialization of their right to kill us as the only irrational response to white fear and hatred of us. It's like death by a thousand cuts and I ask myself how deep do the wounds need to go before we feel the pain and react? How deep must the cuts be before we respond by getting even? What we are seeing is the strongest message ever, that we cannot relegate our lives to just being sitting ducks, waiting for racist, inhumane treatment to be served upon our daily plate. Or indeed, waiting on its alternative, which is to wait for our turn for death. Now more than ever, we must have a plan B and a plan C. Now more than ever, we must have a vision for buying our time back from these people. So we and our children can have tomorrow so we can seek refuge in our home countries where we can at least breathe whilst we work out our next move. We must have a plan that allows us to create additional money that we can use to support ourselves whilst we take respite in places where we will be safe, places that will allow us to refuel and recharge our batteries so that we can come back and live to fight another day in pursuit of our right to self-determination. If you had any doubts about the importance of being financially independent, now is the time to put those doubts out of your mind and push on with your plans to create your own jobs and your own money so you can pick up your children and take them to a place of safety when you choose. And to do this, you have to start to tap into your talents, your skills and your hobbies 
and begin to mine the rich source of freedom opportunities that you'll find there. You then have to focus on putting those opportunities to work for your financial freedom so you and your children can have a tomorrow that you choose and not one that someone else chooses for you. So what can you do now? You can commit to taking one self-liberation action a day that supports you to build your best life action plan. I will be hosting a Facebook live session about this on the 13th of June at 4pm UK time. In that session, I'll be able to answer questions on how you can make that start. Just log on and join the debate. I'm going to switch up the session a little bit just to take account of what people might be feeling and to try to support you by answering any questions you have. To get the link for the session, scroll down to the end of the show notes where you're listening to this podcast. But if you're listening to this podcast in Spotify, you won't find the links there. What you'll have to do is go to my Facebook page and you'll see an event advert for this Facebook Live session. So all you need to do is just click that you are interested or that you are going and then you'll get an automatic reminder about 15 minutes before the live session starts. But what I want you to have in mind is that in taking action, The one thing I ask is that even if you think the Facebook live session is not for you, don't just sit and do nothing. Don't allow this state-sponsored murder to paralyze you into just sitting because all that will happen is that these murderers will wait for us to quieten down on the streets and they'll wait for us to protest from our armchairs and our phones whilst we chat the hurt out of our minds and bodies. They'll support us to return to our medicine of consumerism as they encourage us to shop, dance, smoke and drink our way back to forgetting that we were ever hurt. And then before you know it, it will be business as usual until the next two or three horrific deaths. And then we rinse and repeat the process of protest and then resignation. How do we know this? Because it's happened before. It happened with Trayvon Martin and it happened with Tamia Rice, two of our children who were murdered by police officers. It happened with Philandro Castile and it happened with Sandra Bland, two people who were just going about their ordinary business and were murdered because of that. And in the UK, it happened to Sean Rigg, Mark Duggan, Edson da Costa and Rashan Charles, with Rashan Charles being choked to death on video. And after his murder, the police scrambling to tell us that he died after swallowing a package of caffeine and paracetamol. And it will keep on happening when the state encourages white people to see us as only three-fifths of a human being and therefore not having equal rights to live and be free and to go about our lawful business. 
So what is the alternative if we don't act now? The alternative is to sit and wait for the same architects who destroy our lives and our families every day and who expect us to live small and eat slop. The alternative is to wait for these people to think up the next inhumane and barbaric thing to do for us. For us, we treat them as we expect to be treated and in that we expect them to see our humanity and build a way out for us. And if you watched the sitting in limbo drama which told the story of our brother Anthony Bryan who had been in the UK for 50 years, a legal British citizen. And we watched how the state and the police and the immigration system systematically destroyed his life just because they could. And if you watched that drama and you saw the figures at the end, knowing that at least 13 of our family members died before they could return to the UK after forcibly being removed from the UK illegally. So if your plan is to sit and wait for these people to build a way out for us, that right there is like asking the fox not to eat the chickens when all the fox sees is an opportunity to exploit the situation and eat every chicken in sight, whether hungry or not, just so he can boast and live fat. We cannot allow ourselves to be traumatised into accepting this future. So instead, we have to fight. And one of the ways we can fight is to get even by doing for self. I end by inviting you again to my Facebook Live event on Saturday the 13th of June at 4pm London time. Share the podcast and the event with others whom you feel would benefit from engaging with my content or attending the event. And let's try to get as many people as we can to attend the event. And let's try and move things on towards the self-determination we choose. You'll see many, many adverts that are encouraging African people to focus on building an economy of our own so we can reduce the dependency that we have on the people that only want our life to be limited. Whoever you choose to listen to or whoever you choose to follow in terms of that agenda, I support that, but at least just do one thing. If you choose to join with my Facebook Live event, then I look forward to seeing you there. Let's move forward and let's start to take those self-determinatory steps. You've been listening to the Living Your Best Life in Africa podcast. My name is Dr. Asha and until the 13th of June 2020 at 4pm... I'm out.